<laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Um, we just wrapped up our sermon series on Blast last week, and I hope, really hope you get an opportunity to work on your story. Uh, actually, we don't need to write up one uh, to make up one, but really um, to revisit every single day and even back to the day of salvation, what God has done in your life and my life. And that's the story that's worth telling. Uh, whatever story, embellishment or fabrication of our own story doesn't really mean much. But whatever God has done in your life, I want to encourage you to, to write it down, to practice it so that you can be a blessing uh, to others. So we're going to take two weeks off before we launch our new sermon series called Three Circles, as our announcement people have been uh, uh, reminding us. Um, speaking of announcement people, they are probably the, the group of volunteers I feel the, uh, the worst for. Um, you know, worship team, they're up on the stage, they play music, they sing, and everyone pay attention to them. Yeah, like worship team members, they're so great, they're so spiritual, right? Like people greeters, they're happy to greet you when we're in person, they bring you in, you know. Uh, but I always feel bad for the person who makes the uh, announcements for, uh, makes the announcement. Where it doesn't matter what church it is, in the beginning, in the middle, or the end. Because what happened is whenever it is announcement, people just tune you out. Right. Those of you who have made announcements, you know, like you tell people sign up. Guess what? After the service is over, no one signs up. And then later on in the week, people will be like, wait, you make that announcement? Like, when did that happen? And you're thinking, I made that announcement four weeks in a row. Where have you been? You know, and 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 I feel bad for people who are doing announcements a lot of times. And oftentimes we we'll take those announcements. Oh, it's just information that kind of extra if I need it. But. Uh, but in reality, actually, there are a lot of important things in our announcements. So uh, so today I decided that I'll give them a hand. Um, they will still make announcements today. I think Katie is up on making announcements today. So but I'll give her a little boost. I'm actually going to make the announcement for her. In fact, I won't make the announcements for her. I will preach the announcements for her. So then later on, she just needs to tell you the detail. Okay, so we're going to preach announcement today. And I think it's a very important one for all of us. Uh, you've been following with us. We've been going through several series this uh, calendar, uh, this church year. Uh, I kind of look back and I just see, saw how God moved us. We started with, you know, John 15, then need to abide in Christ. Uh, we talked about the seven DNA of a disciple. What does it mean for us to be followers of Christ? That we're more than just churchgoers, that we are disciples, followers of Christ. Then after that, we took a little time examining and, and kind of diving deep underneath the iceberg. Remember, we talked about being emotionally healthy and that there's so much more than just what we do for God, but who we are with God in, and in, uh, with God is just as important. And we kind of deal with some of those issues. Uh, those are lifelong issues. Uh, those are important issues to deal with as we continue to grow, because whatever you are reproducing is out of those deep, dark, deep places in our lives. So if you're making disciples that you're called to do, then you will make disciples based on how God has redeemed the things that are, that are in your life. And so we kind of moved on after that, uh, the last series talking about bless, about uh, tangible ways we can uh, bless those around us, especially those who are far away from God. And so as you can probably tell, our emphasis a lot in the next series is going to be on three circles. How do we turn regular conversation into gospel conversations? And so you kind of see, hopefully you kind of see a theme here is that we are hoping and praying that all of us will go out among the lost, that we will go into the harvest uh, to reap the harvest and bring uh, salvation and rescue to those who are far away from God. And when we think about going out, witnessing, evangelism, and things like that, I think the word often comes to mind. And even when we do the Great Commission, it's the word go, right? We think about going. 
And so what happened is a lot of times we think, oh, evangelism means that I'm just going to go. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to throw myself out there. And, and for many of us, uh, with if our personality is more timid or, or introverted, going seems to be a really, really hard thing. Uh, but even for those who might be uh, not, they may be more extroverted. It doesn't matter. Like going is still difficult um, because there, it, it kind of got into kind of putting ourselves out there, almost feel like we're letting other people to judge us, letting other people to, to, to view us a certain way. Uh, but as important as going is when we talk about making disciples, which Matthew 28 says it, right? Go and make disciples. Just as important as going is the importance of praying. Many times we think of going and going alone. We prepare how to share the gospel. We talk about ways that you can engage with people, how to go, when to go, what to do when you go. But so often we forget the importance of praying as we go. We kind of touched on that a little bit in the blessed series, the first sermon, right? B stands for what? Begin with prayer. And I want to kind of uh, come back again to that to that idea of praying and going today, uh, because we're going to uh, in this coming next 52 weeks, we're going to do something that will help us to pray and go. We saw Jesus pray and go at the same time. Jesus pray all night before he chose the disciples. Uh, Jesus pray for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert and being tempted by by the enemy, by Satan, before he launches public ministry. So Jesus was constantly praying and going, and you would never, in fact, while he was going, the disciples realized that he was waking up early in the morning to pray. So we saw that in the life of Jesus. But what we also saw, not just the Jesus example, but we also saw in the early church, that is the same principle that literally built the New Testament church. From Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 20, we see this pattern I'll just let you know, today's message key point is going to be pray and go. We're going to walk through the many examples of how the early church pray and go. They pray before they go. They pray as they go and they pray while they're going. And there's this pattern that we see how from 120 disciples, a small group of uneducated, um, you can't say not that faithful disciples, they Peter denied Jesus three times, right? Uh, the disciples scattered when Jesus uh, was crucified. And from this band of kind of, not A team, probably B, if not even C team of disciples, from 120 of them, by the end of Acts 20, we see thousands and upon thousands of them taking over the Roman Empire. That they're even uh, in the midst of persecution, they are expanding. So the question we need to ask is, how did that happen? How could it be that they are not that skilled, not that spiritual, and yet what got them from a small group of 120 to becoming thousands that are spreading both geographically and also numerically all throughout the Roman Empire? Now, I believe that what happened in Acts was not just merely descriptive, meaning that it's not just a story, a good story to tell. So we can read, oh, wow, that's so cool back in Acts. But I truly believe that it is actually prescriptive, meaning it is prescribed for us to follow. In the same way Jesus had done it, the book of Acts, the early church has done it, the disciples and the church at that time had done it. We are called to do the same thing. I think the challenge for this is, again, is not that it's a challenging concept. 
challenging truth. It is actually very simple to pray and go. But just like the blast series, the challenge for us is, are we committed to do those simple things? Are we committed to go pray and go? So I want to encourage you to open up your Bible. I think it will be very helpful for you uh, to open up your Bible uh, because we're going to flip through quite a bit of passage. It's not going to be on the screen. So if you can go open up your Bible to the book of, book of Acts, the book of Acts, that's where we're going to uh, spend some time on. The book of Acts chapter 1. And thank you, Nathan, for reading for us. I'm going to read a short portion that Nathan had read just so that we're, we, we're started on the same place. Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, it's on the fifth book in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after that, the book of Acts, chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse 6. So make sure you get your Bible out, and I'm going to start reading from verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Let me set you, set you up a little bit here. Uh, Jesus being resurrected. Uh, Jesus kind of taking time to was taking time to reveal himself to the disciples. And um, but Jesus was about to be going back up to heaven. And so here the disciples were kind of meeting with him for the very last time. And so um, the disciples uh, came and asked him a question. Jesus, Lord, will you be at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they're still thinking, hey, Jesus, are you going to bring back Israel? Are we going to conquer the world? We're going to reign as a, uh, with you. Uh, and that's the question that they have in mind in political, uh, in a, uh, from a governmental kind of perspective. Then Jesus said to them in verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when they had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as they went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." So basically, Jesus told them, no, I'm not going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now. And in fact, Jesus gave him gave them some instruction and tell him that they need to go. And so I want to point out just three simple truths here. Uh, the first one is simply this, that every follower of Christ is called to be a witness in this world. Every one of us, if you've been changed by Christ, if you have a story to tell about Christ changing you, you and I all have a, a responsibility, a calling on our lives to be witnesses for Jesus. And that goes beyond your age. That goes beyond your gender. That goes beyond your experience. It doesn't matter how long you've been Christian. It doesn't matter what personality you have. Maybe you love to talk. Maybe you hate talking. Maybe you're a, cheer, a very cheer, cheerful person. Maybe you're someone that is very reserved. It does not matter. Think about for the disciples. The 12 disciples, in fact, one have betrayed Jesus. Now 11 at this scene, the command for them is you. Let, look at verse 8 with me for a second. Look at how many you is us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus is not giving us an, a, a, an option. This is what we are called to do. 
I don't know what your calling is in life. It might be a doctor, maybe an engineer, maybe a pharmacist, maybe uh, uh, an accountant, maybe a uh, physical thing. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. But one thing I know for sure is this. If you have to, if you have Christ in your life, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you're calling first and foremost, regardless of life stage, job, student, what status you are, you, single, married, widow, doesn't matter. Your job, your calling is to be a witness to the world. So that's the first thing we see. The second observation I will point out to you is simply this, that those of us who are called Christians, disciples, followers of Christ, we are called to go from both local to global. Look at it, it says this. You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, which is really local. Judea, Samaria, a little farther. And to the end of the earth. I like one pastor. He kind of combined the two words, local and global. He, go, he called it uh, glo- local. You, we are supposed to be global Christians. I know for, uh, for many of us, maybe you've been church long enough, we tend to drive the part that says, oh, we need to be involved in local evangelism. And when we look at this text, it seems like that's the case, right? Jesus almost is saying, if we're not careful, we're looking at it and say, oh, Jesus, take care of Jerusalem first. Then you go take care of Judea and Samaria. Then you go to the end of the earth. There seems to be a progression, but that is not actually true. If you read through the book of Acts, which I encourage you to do so, you will see how God may started at Jerusalem, but he continues in Judea, Samaria without letting go of Jerusalem. Like it's not like every person in Jerusalem have already come to know Christ. Now go to Judea, Samaria. No. In fact, the, 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 what ended up breaking people off to Judea, Samaria is because there is a persecution. Only the apostles were left. Everybody else got kicked out involuntarily. And so they start going to Judea Samaria and to the end of the earth. All these are concurrently happening. And so for you and I, we are called the same thing. I want to go back to an analogy I made last week about fishing. You know how we thought I talked about share with you about deep sea fishing. You have many pole. I want to kind of expand that. Maybe not just different uh, fishing rods. You actually go to a different spot to fish. And so it is important for us to fish locally where those relationships that we have, right, are frank list. It is important for you to reach out to your friends, to your neighbors, to your relatives, to your coworkers, to your acquaintances, to your classmates. It is very, very important. But here's the challenge for us is let's not just stay in those realms. If those fish are not biting, we're not saying don't worry about them. But what I'm saying and what the scripture is telling us to, to do is let's go somewhere else to fish too. See, this is really important because we're going to talk about this activity that we're going to do. This campaign we're going to do called Pray and Go. And when you hear it, if, unless you live in Temple City, you're going to be thinking, I don't need to care about this. But I want to convince you and help you to see that it, it is important for you to participate because you are a part of this church. You see, you might be living far, far away from Temple City, and even uh, you might be commuting to church or whatnot, and maybe you are two cities away. It doesn't matter. See, the, the, the address of our church is never an accident. Our pastoral staff uh, was where well, we were meeting and we're giving thanks to God, just how God had brought us to this building. 
And I believe that looking at the list here, many of you were a part of that journey, seeing how God provided, how God moved you and I moved the people who, who owned the building, the contract, and all these pieces are fit in the puzzle. God brought us to Temple City, 48856 Golden West Avenue, Temple City, 91780, not by accident. And so if you are a member of this church, if you are a part of this local spiritual family, this is our this is also our house. This is also a part of who we are. And so what we need to do is when, so the neighborhood around us is just as important as the neighborhood around you, as the circles around the influence, circles of influence around you. While we might have several fishing ponds in our own lives to bring the gospel to, as a church together, this neighborhood, at least starting from Temple City, maybe continue to grow to other cities, is our responsibility. We are called to be witnesses both locally in our own relational circles, but also to the end of the earth. But we have to start right here, right here, right now. And so that's the second one that every follower is called witnesses. The second one is we are to be witnesses where? Local to global. Now, here's the part that will help you understand why we're launching this campaign called Pray and Go. Because the third part is this. The third important observation is this, that the way to go is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says again, going back to verse 8, but you will receive power. When When do you have power? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, the disciples did not have the Holy Spirit in them yet. Now that Christ has risen from the dead and he's in heaven, sitting in, 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 in heaven, those of us who believe this, when we confess to the Lord and profess our faith to Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. But it was not the case for the disciples at that moment. And so what Jesus said is the strategy to go does not depend on these disciples. It does not depend on their ability. It does not depend on their personality. It does not depend on their strength. It does not depend on um, how much they know Christ, the knowledge. It depends on none of those things, but it depends on one and only thing is the power of the Holy Spirit. Like think with me again. Think about who are these disciples. Peter denied Jesus three times. Some of you may struggle in your walk, but I don't think you have denied Jesus three times. Thomas. After Jesus raised from the dead, he still need to ask Jesus, I don't believe you. I need to touch your wound. Earning him the great nickname, Doubting Thomas. Every one of them were scattered when Jesus was hung on that cross. They didn't even go and visit the tomb. Except the ladies. So there is safe to say there's no way these disciples can do what we saw at the end of the book of Acts. No way. Which is exactly why Jesus said, don't do it on your own. Rely on the power of my Holy Spirit. They don't have the courage. They don't have the strength. They don't have the boldness. And so here's really interesting because right after that, right after Jesus told him that, and Jesus went back to heaven and notice what the disciples did. You follow me down to Acts chapter one, verse 12. 
They did not go out. I don't know about you. When you hear the, 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 the verse in verse 8, you surely would think, hey, Jesus is telling us to be witnesses. Man, let's be brave this time. Let's encourage this time. Let's be bold. Let's go out and like gangbuster and just tell people about Jesus. But you know what did they do? They went back to the place where they remember Jesus spent the most time with, aside from going. Verse 12, Acts chapter 1, verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, Olivet, where is, where, which is near Jerus- Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James, all 11 disciples. What were they doing? Verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What did these guys do? Jesus said, go be witnesses. You know what they did? They go back and start praying. They went back to the place where they spent time just teaching them. Probably they've observed Jesus praying many, many hours. Back in the upper room, they call, they get back together and start praying. I love that phrase. It says, with one accord. There's this unity in heart among them. And say, God, help us to go. Again, doesn't tell you what they prayed about. But surely I would think that it would be something along the line of the Lord's prayer. That God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. So God, so these guys have no idea where to go, what to do. You know what? The only thing that they know what to do is what they pray. And so they went back to the same place and prayed. Now watch this. As they pray, it did not mean that they would they, they stopped going. Because as they prayed for 10 days, it was a uh, then they hit um the Pentecost in chapter two. You flip your your Bible, uh, your your the book of Acts to the next chapter, chapter two in the Pentecost, which is 10 days from the time they started praying. For 10 days, they prayed in the upper room together with one accord. And then right after that, they went out. They went out among the Jews, the, their own people, in one of the fe- festivals that they celebrate annually called the Pentecost. And notice what happens. Follow me with me in verse 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Both Jews and the proselytes, the Cretans, Arabian, we hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. It was at the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, rushed in the room and came upon these disciples and they start speaking in different languages. And as they spoke these different languages, they're declaring these amazing, mighty works of God. And all of a sudden, the Jews, people from Crete, people from Arabia, every town, every city around that have different language and dialect, they also understood what these guys were saying. As they prayed, God empowered them and they go and they went and then people understood. You know what was the result of, of that uh, encounter? Peter preached a powerful sermon, not a wimpy one that's, oh, don't worry about it. Your sin's not that bad. They, he put the finger on their heart and said, you are the one who killed Jesus. You are the one who crucified the Messiah. Why? So would you repent and believe? He preached a message that very few people are willing to preach. And then you know what happened? At the end of chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 41, after this sermon, probably way shorter than mine, says this, so those who received his word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
You see these disciples, Jesus gave them a calling. You know what they do? They pray. And then when they pray, they went out. And when they went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, and guess what happened? 3,000 souls came to know Christ, came to, came, to, came to a relationship, salvation with Christ. And follow along. You know what happened after that? You would be thinking, man, if we get 3,000 people in our church tomorrow, man, we'll be starting doing stuff with them, and we, we don't need to go out for a while. You know what did these guys do? Verse 40, uh, 42. Immediately after this, 3,000 souls came in. You know, there's a description of what, what happened. Verse Chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. You know what did these guys do? They pray. They go. Guess what they do? They go back out to pray again. And when they go pray again, and then you know what, what happened this time? After they prayed, they went out again in the back. And in chapter 3, they start preaching preaching the gospel, telling, healing people, telling people about Christ. But this time, there's a difference. They got arrested because they were so annoying in preaching the gospel. You see, prayer doesn't mean that God will shield us from danger, opposition, persecution. You know, this, in the end of chapter 3, Peter and John, they got tossed in the jail. They prayed, they went, but here's the amazing thing. As they were tossed in the jail, they were released, and they kept telling people about Jesus. And look at verse 47. Chapter, uh, chapter, two, uh, chapter, three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, my bad. Chapter 3, verse Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. They were out there praying and preaching. And then chapter 4, verse uh, 42, uh, chapter 4, verse 21. And when they have further threatened them, these people were against Peter and John. They let him go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. And for all, they were praising God for what happened. They went, they prayed, 29 to 31. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servant. They're praying to God again. Continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So what does all these result in? They pray, they go, they got tossed in jail, they pray some more, and then they went out and declared some more. Here's the, the, the result, chapter 5, verse 14. Chapter 5, verse 14. And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women multitude of both men and women i'm not going to walk through you through all 28 chapters of the book of acts but i hope you kind of get the truth what i'm getting out of here when the people of god pray they are mobilized and empowered to go and as they go they're praying and what happens is god will work and then what happened when God works, we pray some more and we go some more and God works some more. This is the pattern. This is the strategy by which God mobilized his 120 disciples in the beginning. This B team, the C team. And as a result of them praying, going, praying, going, praying, go, they result in become a powerful movement in the Roman Empire in declaring and bringing people to Christ. Now, the question for you and I is, is, are we going to do the same thing? Are we willing 
to do the same thing because so easy we can just look at it and say, well, that's the book of Acts. Well, I guess there's only one way to find out, isn't it? There's really only one way for to find out. Are we going to live in obedience to what God has laid out here? Because chapter after chapter in the book of Acts, you see them praying, you see them going, you see them praying, you see them going, you see how God works through them. And even at the cost of persecution and to some even death. So my encouragement for us, the reason why we're going, doing this campaign is simply because of obedience to what God has called us to do. I know I still haven't told you what the campaign is, but you got to get an idea. We're going to go and pray. But before I give you some detail, I want to share with you and encourage you that how this small group of believers who are willing to go all in for God, to pray and go, God used them to bring the gospel to the Roman Empire. And you might be thinking, well, that's just the book of Acts. But I want to share with you a story, a movement that started back in 1727 by a small group, again, a small group of believers, a, a small group of refugees who got kicked out of their own country and, and residing in, in Germany. In, in, in August 13, 1727, a, a refugee community gathering the church they were struggling with division in the church and they just come to a point they were at a prayer meeting and and what happened was the holy spirit fell upon them in a very powerful way and as they were confessing as they were uh uh committing themselves once again to the lord de- rededicated themselves to the lord the, the holy spirit stirring their heart to pray for the nations and so they just go all night and and let me show you this picture right here As you see here in the, in the, in the right-hand side of the diagram, there, the, the, the watchtower is still here in Germany today. And they, they knelt down, they prayed. There were about 24 men, 20, about 24 women. They were just gathering and laying down before and saying, God, I want you to, we want to see you move among us. We're, for, we're repentant of our sins, getting in your way of your gospel flowing through us. There are less than, probably less than 60 people in that room. And they were so convicted to pray, they decided that we will continue to pray hour by hour. That they will take turn to have this watch of uh, um, that every single hour will be covered by prayer based on Leviticus 6.13. It says this, the sacred fire was never permitted to go out on the altar. In the Old Testament where the, the, the temple was, the fire was burning every single day. And these people, these brothers and sisters, Back in 1727, we felt convicted that we need to do the same. We don't need to light the fire. We need to pray. And so subsequently, every single hour of that day, they continued to sign up and rotate to pray. It was not just the adults. It was the children. It was the youth. We don't have the actual record account. But from, from all the stories, this movement of prayer lasted for over 100 years. Simple men and women, refugees who believe in God and they say, we want to be of use to God. We want God to, to use us. We want people to come to know Christ, be rescued by the gospel. And so they committed to pray every single hour, rotating, signing up and for one, over 100 years. You know what God did through this group of people? It started this movement called the Moravian Movement. If you study any history of mission, missionaries or mission, uh, missionaries or missions in the Western world, 
most textbook, most one will tell you the Moravian movement was the first movement to ignite the Protestant Christianity to go and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Catholic Church did that before, the Crusade did that before, but the Moravian movement is the one that God used to, to leverage Protestant Christianity to go to places to be a blessing to, to places where uh, gospel has not been preached. You see, as these people were praying, they felt the call of God upon themselves. They, they start praying and say, God start answering their prayer and say, why don't you go? And so slowly they start disband, they start releasing people in their in their church, in their movement to go be missionaries. They to be missionaries in places where it's difficult. I won't go through all the story, but one that really caught my my, my attention was one, two men, young men felt called by God to go to the West Indies to be a missionary, but instead of just going there to serve those who are in need, they themselves become a slave. They sold themselves as slaves so that they can minister, bring the gospel to those who are slaves. Talk about the sacrifice these men and women are willing to do. All for the sake of the gospel. They prayed and God touched their heart and they go. And as a result of that, the great awakening, you read U.S. history, European history, the great awakening happening in both Europe and America started because of the Moravians. They touch uh, people like uh, like um, Charles Wesley and John Wesley, the founder of uh, the Methodist movement. Any Methodist church you come across is founded by Wesley. And, and the Wesley brothers met a Moravian missionary and decided to give their lives over to Jesus. William Carey, the father of modern uh, mission, often coined to be the one who's, who helped uh, ignite the hearts of, of people, were, were influenced heavily by the Moravians. I share all these to you because I want to encourage you. Do not think of yourself as just a junior hire. Do not think of yourself as just someone, a nobody as SGV. Do not think of yourself, do not think of ourselves as a small church that God cannot use. If we are willing to commit to the Lord, to pray and to go, God used those 120 disciples in the early church. God used the Moravians who are a bunch of refugees trying to, they were see, even fighting within themselves, divided. And yet God changed them and mobilized them to be a powerful movement for the gospel's sake. So what is pray and go? This is going to be a, a campaign for us for the next 52 weeks. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. We're to commit as a congregation to go out to pray for our neighborhood. For the next 52 weeks, actually not 52 weeks, we're going to go break into four quarters. So we're going to go 11 weeks in a row, take two weeks off, 11 weeks in a row, two weeks off. Maybe we're not as spiritual as the Moravians, but we're going to commit to praying for the neighborhood. What we're going to do is we're going to commit on a Saturday to go out to pray for our neighborhood right around our church for one hour. We're not going to knock on doors. We're not going to um, chit chat with one another. We're going to gather together, go out, and you, as you see on here in the, in, the, in the screen, there are some door hangers. We're just simply going to write our first name. We want to be a presence in the community. We want to literally walk through our community and lay these door hangers on them after we pray for them. We want our community to know we're not just selling you some message. We actually love you, and we are praying for you. 
And in the back of that door hanger, you see there, there's a, uh, uh, an opportunity for them if they need specific prayer requests or needs that uh, they need, um, needs that then perhaps our church can meet. Uh, we can meet all the needs, but if we can, uh, we ask them to email us so that we can get in contact with them and bless them in that way. Here's what, we're, what I'm anticipating. Here's what I'm praying by faith is that as we do our part of faithfully going and praying, I trust that God will open doors. Let's not worry about open doors, like the opportunity to share the gospel yet. Let's lay the foundation of prayer and going and cover every single house around our, our neighborhood. If you don't know what to pray, don't worry. When you show up, we will give you a prayer guide. Uh, we have another acronym with BLESS to help you to remember what to pray for. B stands for body, L stands for labor to work or schoolwork, E, emotional, S, social, spiritual. We'll give you all that information. But what we want to ask is that we want to ask each one of you to commit to come once a month, just once a month for the next 12 months. If every one of us here, I think there are about 22 people, there are probably people uh, combined 30 or so people. If every one of us willing to commit once a month to join the prayer, on Saturday at 1 p.m. If everyone willing to commit to just do once a month, we will cover <clears throat> every single week. And I want you just to see this map right here, where the, the U is, where our church is. I did the math for us. 52 weeks, that means there are 13 weeks a quarter. If we just do 11 weeks and take two weeks off, and every time when we go, we just spend an hour and pray over 20 houses, you can do that in less than an hour, probably with two people. But I'm just giving us the minimum. If you just pray for, for three minutes per house, that's 20 houses right there. And if we just do that in one quarter, we'll cover 220 houses. You look at the, the map right there, all the, all the, all the uh, gray boxes combined there is about 250. So in, in just one quarter, we can cover 222 houses. And in one year, we can literally say we walk and pray for over 800, almost 900 houses in one year. Surely God would use and hear our prayer and open doors for us. to if, if we go through that for a year and there's only five people that come to know Christ, I'm speaking to all of us as believers and followers. Isn't it worth it? Once a month, one hour. And so I want to encourage you to participate with us. We're not trying to guilt trip you, but I believe that this is the way that God has called his church to do for generations and years. And let's be very honest. I'm your pastor and I want to be honest with us. Look at the time that we spend with one another, the time we spend for ourselves. In comparison to the time that we spent among the lost. So I want to encourage you to join us. You will get an opportunity later on. Katie will tell you uh, the link that you can join us. You can sign up once a month. Those of you in small group, I want to encourage you to work with your small group leaders. Uh, maybe pick one week. Every third week, third Saturday at 1 p.m. Your small group will take over that week. If you're not a part of small group, you're joining us. You can sign up on the, on the link that Katie will share with you later. But the whole point of this is let's make ourselves available for what God will do. Let's tilt the soil. 
let's till the soil of uh let's do do the hard work and let let's prepare the way the way john the baptist is prepared the way for the lord so that when the gospel seed is sown it will be in fertile ground let's cover our community in prayer i want to end on this at the end of john uh acts chapter one one of the funniest passages i feel in all of scripture Remember Acts chapter 1, Jesus, they were asking Jesus a question, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Jesus said, not yet. You don't need to know. Go be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus, whoop, got brought up to heaven. And then in verse 10 says this, and while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, the angel, likely, so here Jesus will brought up to heaven and there might be like birds chirping and singing and just glorious moment. Two angels showed up and look at what the angels said to the disciples. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Jesus called them to go and pray. And here's the 11 men looking up, staring at it, have no idea what to do. They're frozen. And then the angel has kind of slapped on the face. Hey, guys, 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 why are you standing here? Why are you staying up in heaven? Go, <laughs> go, go pray, go. Brothers and sisters, a stagnant church is always a disobedient church. Let's not be like the disciples standing there and looking up in heaven. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. Let our church not be a stagnant church that doesn't move both physically or spiritually. Let's go. Let's pray. Let's be an obedient church to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's not just keep standing, looking, waiting for something to happen. God called us and he said, my calling for you is for you to carry out my, my redemptive plan in this world. So let's go and let's pray. And if for nothing else, you get a good exercise out of it. So it's good both for your physical body. And let's be honest, some of us, uh, some, I'll just say me, can use some of that exercise. But more importantly, probably we need more of that spiritual exercise as well. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much. So much for demonstrating for us what it means to pray and go. Jesus Christ, you were praying for us before we were even born. You're interceding for our salvation. You came on earth to, to came, you, you went out from heaven to earth to die for us. So God, I pray that we will simply obey and follow you. God, we commit this pray and go campaign to you. Lord, we don't do this as a way of pride. We don't do this as a way to say, look, God, we will do these things for you. We do this out of obedience and love to you because you love every soul who is far away from you. And if the least of things that we can do is to go out and walk and pray, hang a door tag to someone and, and trust that you would use it, God, let it be so. Lord, there may be doubts. There may be fear. We know that the enemy is going to do every, every mental trick in our hearts and our mind to, to keep us from doing what you call us to do. 
So God, I pray the Spirit of God will help us to tune our ears to hear what you have to say. God, give us the resolve, give us a boldness to live courageously for you. So God, we commit these weeks of prayer to you. Lord, we know it's not about us praying. It's about the, the God to whom we pray to. So Lord, we have faith like a mustard seed. I thank you, God, that you are the God who can move mountains. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Stir our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. What I'm going to do is we're actually going to respond in uh, singing a song called Oceans. And after that, um, we're going to have a just quick announcements. And uh, junior hires, make sure you stay behind for the small group because um, there will be some logistics for you uh, to, to talk with you and touch base with you. High schoolers as well. Uh, those of you who are, are college, and I encourage you to either join on Thursday or you can pay close attention to Katie uh, how you can sign up with this. Okay, so let, let's let's take some time to respond to God together.